This is nine-year NFL vet Eric Coleman. Make sure you tune in to the Burndown Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode on the Burndown. Today, we have a very special guest. You may have seen him on TV. Especially on Sundays in my favorite color, green and white. Ladies and gentlemen, the New York Jet NFL veteran, Eric Coleman. What's going on, Eric? What's up, fellas? How, how you guys doing, man? It's a, it's an honor to be on the show. I'm a big fan. I've been a fan for a long time, man. So I'm excited we got to sit down and, and, and chop it up. Absolutely. We appreciate that. Yeah, we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit for sit with the burn down. It's, it's pretty surreal. You know, I've been a Jet fan my whole life. I bleed green, and now I got a very own Jet veteran on my very own podcast. So it's it's pretty cool, I got to admit. Oh, man, it's, 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 it's going to be a lot of fun, man. You know, we're, we're struggling right now. The season is a, is a, a horrific one <laughs> right now. But you know what? Better things are ahead. And, uh, and and we'll get it figured out somehow, some way. I know it's 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 building, rebuilding. That's that's all we could say. I mean, you could say anything you want, but you know, a lot of these teams go through these slumps. But you know, one way or another, it's all it's it's only up from here. I like to say it's only up. Yep. It's yep. only up. It's kind of crazy though because you know, growing up, I know Eric's been been a fan um, of you. I. I've been a fan as well of just football in general. I'm actually a Giants fan, but that's okay. I've, it's all good. I'm a New I'm a New York fan. When it comes down to it, I'm a New York fan. But to have you know to have you say that you're a fan of us is is humbling, and we really appreciate that. I mean, it's it's crazy. We're fans of you, and you're a fan of us, and it's a it's a pretty surreal moment right now. So thank real, you. Real recognize real. We appreciate are you, that. Are you thank a you. are you a fellow New Yorker? Are you from New York? I'm not. I'm not. I'm from the West Coast. So I'm from Sacramento originally, and I grew up in Spokane, Washington. And when I got drafted to the Jets, that was actually my first time on the East Coast. I had wow. never been east of Texas before, and uh, I, I fell in love with the Long Island uh, chick. And uh, nice. yeah, twelve. I mean, we've been married for twelve years. Three kids later. You know, God bless. God bless you. Thank you. So, what did you think of? New York and Long Island when you first got off that plane. Oh, man, that was crazy because, <laughs> you know, when I got drafted by the Jets, I was like, man, I'm going to play in New York. Where am I going to live? It's just buildings everywhere. You know, how do they practice on football? You know, because I, <laughs> I, I had only seen Manhattan, you know, and then I flew in. I want to say I flew in the JFK. Someone had a Jets truck that picked me up and they drove me out to Long Island. And I'm looking around like, man, there are trees everywhere. Like, where are we? <laughs> you know, and they're like, we're outside of the suburb of New York. You know, it was crazy. Uh, but it was super busy. And my first night here, like I couldn't stand New York my, for my first year. My first night, I was at the, I was at one of the hotels, and I had, to, I wanted to order some dinner. So I called up. I'm like, yeah, you know where I'm from. We're all, we're all, you know, polite and peaceful and all this stuff. And I said, yeah, may I have a, you know, a, um, a meatball <laughs> sub sandwich? And they're like, yeah, hero or whatever, you know, whatever he called it. I said, yeah, with some whatever, whatever. I, I, I ordered my sides, <laughs> and he's like, all right, cool. And he just hung up, and I'm like. <laughs> this guy just hung up on me. Like, what did I do to him that he would hang up on me? I called back to New and York. Like, did you get my order? And he's like, yeah, over to the hotel. And I was like, oh, okay. I didn't know. You just hung up on me. And he's like, all right, click. Did it again. <laughs> said, okay, this is how they get down in New York. You know what I mean? I, get, I better get used to it. You know, I'm used to saying hi to everybody on the street. And, you know, when you're walking around Manhattan, everybody looks at you like you're crazy if you say hello. So it was it was a little change for me. Everything is sped up. Um, I love it now. You know, I love the people. They're real. 
you know, you talk to somebody from New York, you know right away if they like you or not. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't have to wonder and worry, like, man, does this person like me? Like, nah. You he's know gonna right tell now. you. He's <laughs> gonna tell you straight yeah, up. Yeah, most <laughs> most New Yorkers are pretty direct. I mean, I, I lived in Atlanta for a little bit, and mm-hmm. uh, like you said, going to a completely different area of the country, which I've never been down down in the South before. Yeah. You know, I'm used to being super fast, super direct. Bada bing, bada boom, bada bing, and people are like, "Let's hang out. Let's you know, what, what do you, <laughs> you want to do today? Let's, let's slow down. It's here. a we slower. Yeah, yeah. I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, we gotta go. We gotta do things. Come on, come on. You can first yeah. pick it up when you get off the plane. If you're if you rent a car and you drive, you could first pick it up no matter where you go. The pace of life, because everybody's just yeah, come on in. Yeah. Like I'll let you in, no problem. Just slow. everybody drives not up in New York. It's like no. Nope. They they would rather they would rather, you know, they'd rather kill their own kid than let you, than let you get in front of them in, in the, on the highway. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like they- I, I I tell a story a few times. So when I went down to Atlanta, it was for I was uh, it was part of AT and T's business training, right? And we were co calling, and I called this guy, and he gave me an attitude, and I, you know, being a fellow New Yorker, sometimes I, I was just fed up. It was like three o'clock, three thirty. I got hung up like a hundred times already, so I, my attitude was a little bit, a little bit down. So guy gave me an attitude, and I was like, I was like, "Hey, AT and T, blah 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 blah." And he goes, "I don't need any technology." And I just replied, "Well, how do you run a business then?" And then he was like, "I don't," and hung up. And just for me replying, like I guess not polite like that, people around me just stopped what they were doing, and they're like, "Yo, you just yelled at that guy." <laughs> can't just do that and i was like i didn't yell at him I, i'm like he gave me an attitude and i just responded a little bit more aggressive and i'm like yeah oh, man his energy yeah i was like i would never be able to talk like that to somebody i'm like well i guess you know it's in new york i was you know, like the only guy from new york so it is what yeah, it is they tell my wife that all the time when i was playing down in atlanta that they, they would tell my wife like you're so aggressive and you like you know what you want and you know you're demanding and, and things like that and she's like what are you talking about if you don't say something, if you don't say something to someone, you don't ask for something, you're not going to get it. So, you know, it's kind of like, what are we doing here? Let's yeah, get right. it done. And no beating around the bush, no sugarcoating, none of that. Right to no. the point. Closed mouths, don't get fed. Exactly. So right. so before we delve into this uh, into this interview, we got a lot of questions that we're going to ask you, and it's going to be just kind of conversational. You know, we want to- We got to get it. We, we got to get, get a cigar. Started. Yeah. So- Okay. What cigar are you smoking? Are you smoking first? Yeah, I did, I got a I got a fresh box. About to open oh, it up. nice! Oh, he's smoke. Oh, he's smoking the uh, the Cubanos. He's smoking the yeah, good stuff. I'm coming on the burn down. I gotta, you know, what I'm saying. That's right. I got I got to smoke it right. So what is so that? I got so that's the, a Monte, I got Cristo, the Monte Cristo, got? the Open Eagle. Woo! Good cigars. I've had a few fresh of those. box. And I still got the plastic on it. That's yeah, that's pretty. Plastic, I, I'm gonna so say I'm gonna, that's, I'm gonna cut it open. I love it. I like fresh it. box with a burn down. That's that's what it is. So do you do you good. like Cuban cigars or more than right like non Cuban cigars? You have a preference? Well, you know what? Uh, so funny story. I let me see. I started smoking cigars when I, I'm down here in Florida right now. Mm-hmm. So we have a house down in Florida, and I used to train down here. And I used to work out with uh, Ray Lu- uh, Ray Lewis. Course, I worked yeah. out at his house a few times, and me and a friend of mine met up with him at a cigar place because I had never really smoked cigars. They said, "Let's go." grab a cigar and you know i worked out with ray he's like yeah let's go get a glass of wine we'll go have a cigar later and so i said a cigar you smoke cigars he said yeah man that's how you wind down that's how you relax get your mind off everything so i said you know what i'll give it a try and the first cigar that i smoked was a um what was it called it was one of the flavored ones 
Acid? Uh, Java? Acid. It was acid. acid. It was acid cigar. With, it was sweet. And I was like, oh, this is cool. You know what I mean? But like the next day, my mouth, I told my wife, my mouth, it was like I sucked, I sucked a muffler. <laughs> like, I just had that taste in my mouth. This is gross. And then when I got back up to New York, uh, I met somebody and they were like, man, let's come go smoke a cigar. He gave me a Cuban. And I was like, man, this thing is so clean. It's nice. It's fresh. Oh, and yeah. I kind of got spoiled from there. I had a, you know, he connected me with his guy. So I have a, a nice connection for the Cubans. And I kind of just fell in love with them from there. So I don't really, not that I think Cubans are better than anything else. It's just that that's what I was, was introduced to when I first got into it, really. Absolutely. And uh, that's just my preference right now. Hey, that's what it is. I like it. It's you know, Like you said, and I like how you, you mentioned that it's not that Cubans are better than non-Cubans or vice versa. It's just that's what you enjoy smoking. That's what you enjoy smoking, yeah. right? It's You're going to smoke yeah. what you like, whether it's a $5 you know, Java or acid, if that's what you like, smoke it. If you like the expensive Cubans, go for it. Got to do what you got to do. Yep. So what we're smoking actually yep. is um, this is a, an excellent because we're drinking coffee. It's the afternoon over here. We're drinking coffee. And this is one of our favorites to pair with coffee is the Oliva Series O. Oh, wow. So we're we're smoking the Oliva Series O. Great with coffee. I don't know if drinking you can smoke some- cigars with coffee, but it's yep. probably my favorite cigar pairing, I must say. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm down with the coffee, coffee and cigars. Um, you know, I like to come out, you know, being in Florida, I like to come out on my back patio and with my computer, I'll grab a, uh, you know, a cup of coffee, get some emails done, get my work done. It's a nice, nice combination. Beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So, uh, so let's, uh, let's cut these cigars. We'll light them up and then, uh, we'll get right back to it. Sounds good. While we're finishing, finishing lighting up, we can, I could tell you the quick little story. So it's funny that you, you opened up a fresh box of those. And this actually happens to be from a fresh shipment of cigars myself. I came back from, uh, I actually went to the post office to ship out cigars because we do a little giveaway. Whenever we go live after we film, we do some giveaways. We give away some cigars or whatever. So I went to the post office to ship cigars and I came back and there was a package on my doorstep. Fresh. Fresh of cigars. Fresh out the pack, baby. Mm-hmm. So open it up and light it up and see how the uh, shipment was, and it's delicious. What they say, uh, you give and you shall receive. Amen, Amen brother. Absolutely. <laughs> Amen. That's what it is. So, so here we go. Here we go. Eric Coleman, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Ooh, what is he drinking? Well, we didn't oh, even man. ask. How rude of us. Let me, let's ask. Oh, let's put first. this back down. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Ask the question, Eric. <laughs> Mr. Man, Coleman. It's the afternoon. It's 5 o'clock somewhere, so I went and grabbed some... Uh, Woo! You know, just a little sip. I got, got my work done today. My kids are coming home from school in a couple hours, so oh, you get, might as well have a, have, have a little bourbon. Get it down, baby. Love it. Well, we're big fans of bourbon and cigars. We've had bourbon plenty of times on the burn down. Um, but today, a little bit of coffee. Coffee. So, wrong with that? Eric Coleman, thank you so much for joining the burn down. It's an honor and a privilege. And uh, let's get this going. Go Jets. Go Jets. Cheers, fellas. So I don't, if, I don't know if you noticed, but we wore. Uh, I got we got a little green here. I got a little green here. Got a green, little, little green, green and white here. action over here. Yeah, we had to we had to fly. break out some of the green. Yeah, I see the socks too. I see the green in the socks. Oh yeah, yeah I, I like that. I don't know if you can see mine as it. well. I got a little. You know, you got to do it. Yeah, on them sometimes. you got to you got to you got to you got to just show it up. I'm so, a little underdressed. 
Yeah. I mean, I like. Oh, no, you're out in a patio where it's a hundred degrees right now. Yeah, you're in Florida. You got you're in you're in button down weather. I mean, you're living yeah. right there. So it's actually not bad here right now. It's about 60, 60 yeah, something. Like so I'm a little warm, but that's well, you right. know, I got to come up to Jersey every weekend for the jet on my jet shows, and at night is when you really feel the difference between Florida and New York because you know it drops down to 50, 40 degrees. It's real up there right now. Oh. Yeah, but see, that's perfect football weather. Yeah. It is. That it is, is perfect football weather because I, I, I could couldn't imagine the people doing two-a-days down south yep. where it's 95 degrees and you're wearing pads. and Because oh. I, played, I played football in high school and two and three days were, you know how it was. It's, mm-hmm. it's brutal in the summer. So it brings us to our, our first question, you know. How did you get into football? What was it like? Did you growing up like it? Your parents – so, um, so I got into football when I was young, I used to live on the, like the East side of Spokane, Washington. That's where I, I grew up. And we used to go to the East central community center. Um, actually, no, I started at the Martin Luther King center. So after school, we used to go, uh, to the Martin Luther King community center to, to play while our, ki- our parents were at work. And then when they got home from work, they would pick us up and we would play at recess, do all that stuff. And they started a YMCA flag football team. So I joined the football team, you know, started playing. I figured out I was fast. Um, I also played basketball and baseball growing up as well. So I played every sport. You know, it was all, it was something to keep you away from, from trouble. Uh, you know, to mm. keep your energy, you know, you know, just to keep your focus on something else than, than getting into the streets. And, um, you know, I just loved, I loved every sport and football was actually my least favorite as I, you know, as I grew up and I got <laughs> into high school. I was pretty good at football. I loved basketball in high school. Uh, that was probably my favorite sport played baseball and then they start th- they started throwing the ball too fast in baseball so i had to slow down <laughs> <from> that. <laughs> i said no you know once it gets into the 90s i said man I, if that hits me we're gonna have a problem and um especially and without any pads off, you know <laughs> yeah you know as a freshman i was really small i was about 130 pounds as a freshman i played running back and cornerback and they wouldn't really let me carry the ball so i played a lot of defense one game we were blowing the team out they put me at running back and i had like four touchdowns and the next nice. year I made varsity, but at the beginning of the year, I never really played. You know, I was playing a little bit of defense. I never played on offense and I would play in the junior varsity games and I would dominate those games and we were really good. And finally, at the end of the year, they gave me an opportunity. And that's when I kind of separated myself and showed the skill set that I had in football. And, you know, after that, you know, the letters started coming from colleges, um, you know, started getting recruited by schools and, you know, football kind of chose me as I went through high school. Wow. So you said your favorite sport was basketball. I knew that was coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you come on. You, yeah. How did you? I mean, I'm, so I was a big, I was a basketball player in college as well. So it's like, you, I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. So, but, yeah, yeah. Um, basketball was basketball was my sport. I was a lot lighter than my, than you know what I'm saying I am right now. I was about 170 pounds in high school. I could fly. You know, I, I could jump really well. Play great defense. You know, Gary Payton was my favorite player. Oh, the know, glove. I, I used to model my game after the glove. The glove. But, um, yeah, I love hoop. I love playing basketball. Yeah, I was gonna say because you know you grew, you played football. I played basketball, yeah. and now we got somebody who played both. Because <laughs> it's funny because you didn't play basketball, right? I played basketball when I was younger. Like I played a probably like right before middle school, and then my focus was on football because I like football season. And the next season was basketball, and I was always so tired after football season. So I was like, I'll just stick with football. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was always tough, you know, going from like the playoffs and football. And then, you know, you go through, I played both ways. I played cornerback, I played running back and I would play the whole game and I thought I was in shape. As soon as football was over, I'd go to basketball <laughs> practice 
man, I would be so out of shape because it's, you know, it's two different, two different exercises. So the suicides would kill me, all the lines, the defensive drills. And it took a while to get in that basketball shape. But I like how you said that it keeps you, it kept you out of trouble. Sports keeps you out of trouble and getting, keeps you off of the streets. And, um, and I, I love that because there's a lot that you can learn from sports, uh, nowadays, you know, working, working as a team. And putting in the work and getting and reaping the rewards. There's a lot of life lessons that you learn yeah. from sports. Um, and I think Absolutely. that kind of. The, the, the accountability part, you know what I mean? The, the value of hard work, uh, you know, motivating communication, you know, how to communicate with others. You know, football is one of those sports where you play on a team. There may be a kid that comes from a very wealthy background. There may be a kid that comes from nothing. You know, there's people from all different backgrounds that play football, black, white, Hispanic. You know, whatever, whatever the case may be, but you learn how to communicate with everybody. So that, that's something, something else that comes from sports. And I, and I thought, I watched your interview, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago on Fox News, and you were talking about um, growing up and being a kid and playing sports. And then you're saying, you know, sports now for kids today, they don't really get the same opportunities as, as we kind of did because the coaches are like all about winning now. It's not really always about the team, which I thought mm-hmm. was a good point because I've, I've been to, you know, I know some people that are referees and they tell me some horror stories about, you know, Little League. And they're like all about like they're yelling at the ref and they're doing this with their kid. And I thought it was a good point because growing up for me, it was always about like just teamwork. You know, if we lose, we lose as a team. We you know we'll overcome it. And I see some of these guys that are like they just care about winning, which is kind of heartbreaking for me. Yeah, you know, it's tough. It's tough watching sports nowadays and. Um, you know, like you mentioned, you know, when we were growing up, it was more about uh, going out there and competing, having fun, learning the fundamentals of the game, getting better, uh, being a team. You know what I mean? Nowadays, it's all about, you know, I want my son to make it to the professional ranks. I want to be the best. You know, there's a lot of money involved in it now. So now, you know, when you're playing football, when you're not playing football, now there's a bunch of camps that are, you know, charging all kinds of money to train your kid. And, you know, everybody wants their kid. They don't want their kid to be behind. So you have to pay. You know, you got to pay to put your kids in these camps. So it's um, it's become, you know, a big time moneymaker sports yeah. and it's, it's, it's become a way to pay for college. So there's a lot of pressure from that end. And, you know, every parent wants to to live their dreams through their kid. And I always, you know, tell people to beware of that, you know, make sure that your son, your daughter is enjoying it. Don't don't you know continue to put this pressure because at the end of the day, it's all about having fun and your chances of making it to the pro ranks. Are, are very minimal. You know, they're slim to none. You have to have a lot of things fall in place for you to make it professionally and, uh, and even get a college scholarship. So, you know, I, you know, people have to, to slow down a little bit, yeah. let their kids have fun playing the sport, learn the values of it. Uh, I, I think that, I think we'd be better off if parents kind of eased up, coaches eased up a little bit on these kids. Yeah, absolutely. Cause, uh, I could tell you firsthand one year I played f- football, we lost every single game. And I had the same coach the next year and we won the championship and we were called from, you know, uh, from like zero to heroes or something like that. But the coach, you know, he was about us, about having fun and just about building the core values, uh, uh, core values and morals. And we took those same motivating, you know, topics that he taught us when we lost every single game and we turned it around. And, you know, I feel like watching Little League, not all, not everywhere, obviously, but you don't get that same type of camaraderie at every single sport. Yeah, and it's cool because it's something that you, I mean, to this day, you remember that. You yeah. know, you remember that, you know, you know, coming from a, a, being a terrible team to working hard, having the nice values, putting it together, and then all of a sudden you're a winner. 
those values stay with you. You know, those lessons, those life lessons, those things that you learn playing sports, they stay with you throughout your life. You know, some of my best days playing sports were in high school, we're in middle school. You know, those are my best memories. Even though I played in the NFL for nine years, you know, played college and, and all these great games. Man, I had so much fun in high school playing. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. And for the parents to to put their agenda ahead of the kids, it's a little bit unfair because, you know, you're making memories. You're, you're instilling um, habits into your kids and, and ways of thinking and the self-confidence. So I, I think it's important to, you know, ease up on them a little bit. Let them enjoy the sport. Most definitely. Yeah. Most no, definitely. And, I, and I like, you know, how you were saying that you went from a team that lost every single game to next year – you were winning. You're starting to win games. I don't know if you said you won every single game, but we don't, yeah, we won almost every single but game. You, so, but it strikes up a good point because I see a lot of times nowadays with sports is that um, it's more of like participation stuff, right? They give out participation awards to every every kid, no matter you win or lose. Yeah. And I think that it's kind of taking away from the values that you learned during that season of Hardships. going winless, where you lost every single game. Right? Yeah. That was a struggle, and you were quote-unquote, losers that year, right? And it hurt. Yeah. But you put in the work, you build that that camaraderie with your team, you come back the next year and you overcome, and now you're dubbed as winners and you've appreciated that victory more than if it oh, would have yeah. been like, hey, listen, it's all right, you went winless, but we're going to give you a trophy anyway. 100%. You know what I'm saying? Like, we use It's that okay to not win a trophy because yeah. then when you finally do win it, you appreciate it much more because of the work that you had to put in to accomplish that. Most definitely, most definitely. Yeah, that's life, and that's life. You don't get a uh, you don't get a paycheck just for for showing up for work. You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta produce, you gotta perform, and, and you gotta be a winner. You know, to make that money, to you know, to reach those riches, to reach whatever financial goals that you have. So, you know, it's smart to keep teach those kids those lessons when they're young. Sure. You know I mean, you're not going to just get paid just for showing up. You know, what I mean? right. you don't get a trophy. No, that's right. not how it works. So right. I agree with you guys in that in that sense. So, so speaking on speaking on that, being being a kid for you, you know, when you were in college, when did you know you're like, I'm going to make it to the league? Like, this is a dream come true. Like, this is actually going to happen. Like, when did you? When did that first aha moment come to you? That, maybe it wasn't even a, in college. That's a great question because you know, going into college. Not not saying it was the last thing on my mind, but I didn't think that I was going to play in the NFL. You know what I mean? I was just coming to be a part of the team, to work hard. You know, I wanted to play. And, you know, as I started to progress through college, you know, I got into my sophomore year. You know, we we went to our first bowl game. We won 10 games, had a very good team. And one of my mentors on the team was – and one of my roommates was a guy named Lamont Thompson. And Lamont Thompson, to this day, is a Pac-12 all-time leader in interceptions, phenomenal player. Um, after that – after that – sophomore year he got drafted by the tennessee titans i believe it was or the cincinnati Bengals, and um he was drafted in the second round and i said you know his nickname is hawk so i was like man if hawk got drafted in the second round i'm not as good as hawk but i can get i can make a team you know what i mean and i remember he came after the draft he came back to to pullman and he had this escalade and he had these nice (laughs) rims on it and me and my my roommate hamza abdullah we looked at each other like man we could get this you know what I mean? If we, if we make it to the league, we can we can have one of these cars. You know, I'm driving like an '88 Acura Legend or something. You know, we're beat in the back, but but Lamont had like this beautiful car. You know, he had all these things, and I said, you know, we looked at each other, and said, man, we need to start dedicating ourselves to this. We need to start working hard. And so we we would stay after practice. We would run stairs. We would do whatever we could to become better players. And the next year, we went to the Rose Bowl. Phenomenal team. We were you know ranked 
Uh, I want to say at one point we ranked third in the country. Went to the Rose Bowl the next that um, that draft. One of our really good friends, Marcus Trufant, he was drafted I think 11th overall to the Seahawks. And we were like, you know, we threw a big party. We were celebrating. And we looked at each other like, man, if True can make it, if he can be the 11th pick, again, he's a lot better than us. But if we work hard, we can make this, you know. And so I dedicated myself in the offseason sacrifice. I wasn't hanging out as much, you know, kind of just focused on my grind. And um, after my senior year, I got invited to the Combine. Uh, you know, I went out to, to Alameda, California, uh, to a, a group called PEPA. Performance enhancement for professional athletes. And at the time, that's where a lot of the top prospects were going uh, to train for the combine. And, you know, everybody there had all these Escalades and, you know, brand new cars, throwback jerseys and gold oh, yeah. chains. And man, and I didn't have an agent to pay for my workouts. So I called the guy up because no agents were recruiting me because I had like a mid to late round grade. Right. Oh. So no agents were, were calling me. So I so I called up um, the trainer there and I said, yo, Thomas, this is Eric Coleman. You know what I mean? I have a fifth round, a late round um, grade on me, but I'm a hard worker. I don't have any money to pay you for training. But if I, if I get down there, will you train me? And if I make it to the league, I'll promise you I'll pay you back. And he said, absolutely. I believe in you. You know, you're a guy who I, who I think is a hard worker and you'll make it. And so I got down there. My uncle lived down there in California. He had this 82 Volkswagen Jetta. And so I pull up to work out to the Jetta. Everybody else has these new cars. And I have my little duffel bag and I just put in work. You know, two a days, eating right, going to my hotel room, going to sleep early, focused on it, um, you know, and then got opportunity to get drafted. But, man, it was just because of hard work. It was dedication. It was, uh, you know, teammates pushing one another. But ultimately, it was my teammates getting drafted, having success in the league is what really put it in my head that I want to focus on this. And this is something that, that I think I can attain. Wow. Yeah, it, br- it brings up uh, a good point is it's it's well, they always talk about who you surround yourself with, like show me who your friends are and I'll show you who you are, right? And it's like if you surround yourself with five millionaires, you're going to be the sixth. You surround yourself with five losers, you're going to be the sixth, right? So it kind of reminds me of that where it's you were hanging like with your peers and you saw your peers take a next step to the next level and you're like, man, if, if, if the guys that I'm with, if my little circle, if those guys can do it, then there's no excuse as to why I can't do it, you know? So you got like, I don't want to be left behind. I got to go up with them as well. Exactly. Um, and I, I think like you were drafted the fifth round to the Jets, right? Yeah, yeah. I was drafted in the fifth John round, John Vilma, Jericho Cotri. Doesn't matter what round it is, man. That was a good class. Doesn't. Mm-hmm. I'm a firm believer. I, I believe class, in that. Man. It doesn't matter what round it is. As long as you got, you get your ticket punched. You got it. And you go into a team. You made it. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Look at, you got to get your foot in the door. Look at, look at Tom Brady, man. What was it? 199th draft pick. Yeah, and he's six round. The greatest quarterback to touch a football, in my opinion. Right. So, mm-hmm. getting no matter what round you get picked does not matter. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. <laughs> so getting so now you're so now you're drafted. You're with the Jets. Now you're with now you're with Herm Edwards. You know. Yeah. You, you play know. to win the game. Hello. You play to win the game. Yep. <laughs> That's it. That's it. But I mean, now I'm, I'm sure the, like the mindset, your mindset completely shifts from, all right, I made it to the league. Now I was in college. Now it's like, now I'm with the big dogs. Like, how did you, how did you adapt? Like, what were you thinking? Like, how did you change? Like, I don't know if you changed the way you worked, the way you looked at yeah. things. If- yeah. What was like no, the I mean, first thought that you had going in? Well, okay. So like, I remember my first time, you know, they had all of us rookies 
um, come for a workout. We came to minicamp early just to learn the basics of the defense uh, and the offense so we weren't slowing down the veterans once minicamp started. And uh, we were there, and I remember coming into the locker room after a practice, a, a rookie practice, and all the vets were in there. And I remember walking into the locker room, and I see, like, Victor Hobson, um, Eric Barton, uh, Sean Ellis. It was, oh, like, yeah. Wayne Krebet. All these guys were in there. Like, they had just got done working out. Man, and they were swole. They had chest hair. They had beards. And I didn't even have a damn mustache. And I'm looking like, damn, when do I get those? Like, when do I get muscles like that? You know what I mean? I was like, I got a lot of work. I got a lot of catching up to do. And, um, you know, and we used to go through all these practices. And I remember one day John Lott, our strength coach at the time, he pulled all of us rookies to the side. And he said, he said, there's only one person in this group that's guaranteed a spot on this team this year. And that's Vilma. He was round one. He's guaranteed a spot for this year. He said, all the rest of you, there's a slim chance you're going to make it. You know, there was about 25 of us at the time. And he's like, I don't care what round you were drafted in. If it wasn't round one, you're not guaranteed a job. So, you know, and what that told me, first of all, put the fear of God in me. You know, and then second of all, I was like, you know what? I need to get on my playbook. Because if I'm going to go in here and play defense with all these guys, Victor Hobson, um, you know, there, man, there were some, some ballers on our team. You know, we had, you know, obviously Sean Ellis, John Abraham, you know, some really good players. I said, if I'm going to go in here and tell these guys what to do, because as a safety, that's my job to communicate, to get the linebackers lined up, uh, tell the corners what coverage we're playing, all the checks. I said, I better get in my book. So I, I, you know, I didn't hang out. I didn't go into the city. Guys were going into the city partying. You know, I was like, no, I got to study this book and I got to know this like the back of my hand. And I learned the book. And one day, you know, when we got to training camp, it was the second day of training camp, matter of fact. Second day of training camp, John McGraw is a starting safety at the time. He and Reggie Tung. John McGraw pulled a, ham, uh, a calf muscle. Second day of camp. They're like, Coleman, get in. And at that time, I was like fourth deep on the uh, depth chart. So I was like, I was chilling. And they said, Coleman, you're in with the ones. And I said, this Coleman? He said, hell yeah, get your ass in the, and get, get in practice. And so I got in there. And I remember, like, you know, they called the defense. And the offense breaks the huddle. And this is like Chad Pennington, Curtis Martin. Oh, yeah. Um, Santana Moss on one side you know you had man it was so many ballers Anthony Beck all these guys break the huddle they spread out they shift they motion and I'm like all right and I'm just sitting there stuck and my coach stopped the practice he said hey you better say something because these guys are waiting on you to to give them a call and you better make a call and say it with confidence and I and he said as long as he said even if it's wrong if we're all wrong we're gonna be all right you know we can get through the down if we're long as we're playing the same coverage you know what I mean? And so I was like, okay, I got to get all my stuff. So eventually I just started talking. I came out of my shell. And next thing you know, this shit, you can't, you can't shut me up on the field. I'm telling everybody, watch out for this. This guy motioned. You know what I mean? And I'm <laughs> arguing with guys who are like veterans in the league. I'm telling them what to do. You know what I mean? I'm telling, I'm, I'm going to grab a middle linebacker and tell him he's in the wrong spot. He's in the wrong gap. You know what I mean? Cause my job depends on it now. And so it was those experiences, man, me taking it serious, me taking it upon myself to put football first. Uh, I think that w- that's what led to my early success in the league. That's beautiful, man. I mean, it. it so I completely understand and I pr- completely appreciate that. And it reminds me of we had Ruben Stutter on here a couple weeks a couple weeks ago, and we asked him the same thing. Like, what was his mindset? And he said, when I got to American Idol or, or his training, he's like, I went in the corner. I didn't mingle with nobody. I just said, I'm the best, and I'm going to win this. So it's just like a simple. Like people think success is very hard. From from what I understand, you know, it's just about working hard, you know, talking to yourself and saying I can do it, and just doing the right things and not getting distracted. Because mm. you know, you're you're a clear example of just doing the right thing, doing all the right things, and just 
avoiding the wrong things, avoiding the wrong things, and working hard. Yeah, it's exactly. like you said. Everybody wants this this secret formula to success, and it's actually very simple. Just yeah. hard work and limit. Stay away from the distractions. And, and Eric said it himself. <laughs> he said, "You don't get paid for just showing." I mean, some people get paid for just showing up, but most people. You got to, sh- you know, 90% of your job is just showing up. The other 10% is where you really make your money and really break your bones and do the right thing. So put in the work. Yep. Got to do it. You put in the work, you shall have the rewards, right? Now, did you have like a, so now you're, now you're playing, now you're, now you're a starter. Cause I think you started almost every single game for the Jets. If I, if I'm correct, like 45 mm-hmm. out of 48. I did my yeah, home. Was you know, like, talking was, about, oh, talking yeah. about doing work. It was like, I, I yeah, like work. 90% of the games over the two seasons. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, when I played football, I didn't really have like a like a tradition or like a superstition. I know some other guys did when the, before they played the game, but like, did you have like some kind of like lucky jock strap or you told like you did a prayer or something every <laughs> single game? Yeah, you know, I, I did. I had my routines. You know what I mean? They kind of changed, but ultimately, you know, I'd always pray. You know what I mean? And before the game, you know, while we're warming up, you know, guys are listening to like heavy rap music, heavy metal, all this stuff. I listened to like really slow music. Because uh-huh. if I got too fired up, I would get emotional. You know what I mean? I get emotional. I get, you know, start tearing up and like ready to rip a hole through somebody. Yeah. And I can't do that as a safety because I got to be the communicator. I got to be calm. So I would listen to like D'Angelo. I listen to <laughs> some slow music. Okay. And I'd warm up and just visualize myself. And by the time I got, you know, obviously, you know, listen to the national anthem, you know, all the fireworks, every, all the people in the crowd, that's going to get you fired up plenty. And sure. the fact that I'm in the NFL, you know, is a, is a is a huge blessing. So I'm fired up. I got to try to stay as calm as I could before the game. Um, you know, make sure I prayed, make sure that I was you know focused on my on all my um, communications, and just go out there and let it rip, man. You know, that that was my thing. That's you know, awesome. I went through a phase where I wasn't wearing gloves because I, I didn't want to drop any balls. I didn't want to miss any tackles because of some gloves. So I didn't wear gloves for like my first probably five years in the league, and then. You know, you start playing in Green Bay, and it's like January, and it's minus 11. You got to, like, start adapting a little bit. But, um, you know, the, pretty much just, just trying to stay calm, praying, making sure, you know, at, at that point in time, you know, before the game, the hay is in the barn, as they say, meaning I, I did all my studying. I did all my film study. I know all my checks. I know the tendencies. Now it's just time to let it go, man. So playing mm-hmm. that game was was the ultimate. Uh, it, it, it was like they always said, someone said this to me at, at practice. They say, you get paid to practice on Wednesday through Saturday playing the game is free. And that was my free time. That was my time to go out there, let it loose, act a fool. And, uh, and, and I really did enjoy it. I mean, it's a hundred percent true. I completely agree with that. I like that. And it, it yeah. Cause it's kind of like, like, I like how you said where from Wednesday to Saturday, right? You, you learn, you, that's where you're practicing. You're learning all, you're learning the different coverage. You're learning the, whatever team you got coming up, you're learning their plays, what they like to run. How many, do they run the ball often? Do they throw the ball? Do they go for the deep pass? All that stuff. You're learning that. And come Sunday, it's like, all right. Now you put it all to work. You're sitting down and you're saying to yourself, well, listen, I, if I don't know the coverages and everything that I'm supposed to know for the team that we're playing, if I don't know it right now, I'm not going to know it. Yeah. Like I can't learn it right now. So this isn't the time to start to study the book and all that stuff. That's Wednesday to Saturday. This is the time to get your mind right, to get calm, to get relaxed, so that now you can go and perform and execute on all the stuff that you learned. Because um, I used to tell that to people all the time, you know, in, in whenever they would take a test, like in school, in college, you're taking a test, and everybody, you see people cramming, 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 like morning of. And I'm like, listen, if you don't know it by now, you're not going to learn it right now in 20 minutes yeah. before the test. Okay? You're not going to learn it. Calm down. Relax. It'll come to you when the test comes. It's crazy how most people 
don't prepare. They don't like to prepare. They don't like to put the, the work in early. So that way, when it comes to crunch time, they can kind of relax. Like, why do you want to be worked up on the, the time of the day when you need to do it? Right. Yeah, they say success is when preparation meets opportunity. So you got to always be prepared. I think that might be the quote of the week. I think that might be <laughs> the quote, the quote of, of the week. week. That's perfect. So every – yeah, ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead, Eric. No, go ahead. No. My pleasure. Okay. Please go ahead. So we've been doing this, this new segment called the quote of the week. Um, it was the quote of the day, but we realized that we only release an episode once a week, <laughs> so it has to be quote of the week. <laughs> so this episode of this week's quote of the week comes from Eric Coleman himself, Eric if you can say that again for our quote of the week. Yeah. Success is when preparation meets opportunity. Bang. You guys heard it here. Success is when preparation meets opportunity. That's all it is. I love it. And it's like what you said. When, you know, So many people, they, they don't prepare and then they wonder why they don't succeed. And it's like if you fail to prepare, then prepare to fail. Yeah. Like, right? Like, you know. Eric, you said, you know, you got you got to where you are and you're like, all right, I need to learn the playbook. I need to learn this. I need to learn that. I can't be going out and partying. And I, I'm the same type of way. When I, Anytime I'm in a situation where I have an opportunity to do something, you know, if I'm traveling somewhere and I need to perform, I don't, I'm not going to be like, all right, you know, well, I'm here now. So let's just go out and, you know, lollygag. It's like, well, I got to be, I got to be ready to do what I got to do. And a lot of people are not don't have that same thought process, which is very man. Believe it or not, you know that was a that was a big deal in the NFL. You know, uh, you know, you get a, a group of young kids who come from a certain you know background or whatever. You throw them in New York City, you throw them in Atlanta, you give them a million dollars, and you know the girls, you know the party and the the attention kind of gets the best of them. Yeah. And you got to focus on the task at hand. You got to focus on why you're here. You know that that partying. Those girls, whatever the, the, the vice that you have or whatever the temptation that's out there, it's going to be there after you're done. You know what I mean? While you're here, let's lock in on this goal. Let's work hard and give it your all so you can make the most of it. You know, I had when I remember when I got to Atlanta, that was one of my, uh, you know, my, my biggest problems that I had with the team. Well, with my DB room, I remember getting into the room and there's a couple of vets, a couple of free agents that had signed that came from other teams. And we get into the meeting room and the guys are talking about partying and, oh, we used to go out with this person. We used to go to this club. Oh, last night we were here and I had to sit down with the guys. I said, listen, you know, you're here to play football. And if you don't think that and if you don't have football on your mind first, if you're partying, you think these coaches aren't listening to what you're saying about partying and, and it's going to show in your play. I said, the draft is coming up in a couple months. Please believe you will get replaced. This league is a what have you done for me lately league. Yeah. And if you don't perform on this Sunday, you'll, you'll be out without a job on Wednesday. You know, there's, there's plenty of times where I've, I've played a game on Sunday. You know, you have Monday, you work out, Tuesday's a day off, come in on Wednesday for install, and there's a new person sitting next to you. You know, you got to perform and you got to keep football first. And, you know, kind of teaching the young guys that is something that's important, something that a veteran has to do, somebody who's been through it. Um, and it's very important, you know, to focus on the task at hand and everything else will take care of itself. Mm. Most definitely. Yeah, because it's like they say, you know, no matter what position you're in, nobody's irreplaceable. Like, if you don't come in and do what you have to do, there's a thousand other guys that are just waiting for, that waiting for an opportunity to show, to show the coaches and show the world what they're made of. Mm -hmm. So if you don't do what you got to do, like you said, you could be, you know, one week you could be in the starting position, the next week – you could be out and easily replaced because somebody else, they're going to give him a shot. That's a, so. Right. And, and an example of that 
is, you know, I was drafted in the fifth round, right? I started my rookie year. You know, my second year, they drafted a guy like in the in the second or third round to replace me. I beat him out. And then I, I and then I played with them. The next year they drafted somebody else. It was every single year I played in the NFL, they drafted a safety to replace me. But my work ethic, you know what I mean, my knowledge of the game, my hard work, that that's what really kept me in the league. You know what I mean? Wanting to mm. do these things. There was plenty of guys that were better athletes, probably better football players than me, but I studied hard. I knew what I was looking at. And chances are, if I read my keys, if I knew what I was doing, I'm going to get there faster than you. I'm going to make that play. I'm going to make that tackle. I'm going to knock down that pass. And that's what kept me on the field is I knew what I was going to do. I wasn't going to make mistakes. I was going to go out there and get everybody lined up and, and just really do my job. And that's what I took pride in for, for nine years. And that's why, you know, as a guy who's 5'10", uh, you know, 200 pounds coming from Washington state. That's how, why I lasted so long in the NFL. So Amazing. do you, so do, let me ask you this. Do you think that because the coaches and the coaching staff and the organization knew how hard of a worker you were, do you think that they did it on purpose to give you competition, to take you to, com- to continue to excel every single time? Because if, you know, I think about it like this, where let's say they didn't draft a, sa- a safety to try to, to replace you. Would you have worked that hard to try to outbeat that other person? And then every year there's another guy you got to outbeat. So you're continuing to try to step your game higher and higher and higher. You know what? I know for me personally, I don't think that really mattered because I was going to give it my all anyway. But there's a lot of people who need that motivation. They need to be pushed. And that's the coach's job, you know, to push you to be the best player that you can be. And uh, and that's a motivating factor for a lot of people. You know, maybe they thought that my run would would, you know, at, at some time at the, at, during the, my career, it would all catch up to me, you know, not being the biggest guy, not being the fastest, whatever the case may be. Maybe they thought my my run would, would you know, would, would end and they needed a more athletic guy to replace me. But, you know, what I mean, it is it is what it is. That's the game. You know what I mean? That's how that's how it's a business. And so you learn to, to go through those ebbs and flows. You learn how to fight through adversity. You learn all these things. And uh, and it does. It did make me a better person at the end of the day. Were there were. Like throughout your career with the Jets, the Falcons, the you know the Detroit Lions, were there certain senior or veteran players that you looked up to, or that you kind of you know asked a lot of questions to to get better, and you know they gave you some good information? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know when I walked into the locker room, um, I, I looked for the oldest guy, for the longest tenured player. You know I went to Ray Mickens, I went to Curtis Martin, I went to Wayne Corbett. I asked these guys, you know, how did you last so long in the league? Like what what does it take? And they told me you got to take care of your body. You got to do your work. You know, you, your, your body is your, is your organization. You know what I mean? Your body is your, is your company and you're the CEO of it. You got to make sure you put the right fuel in your body. You got to make sure you get rest. You got to make sure you get massages, acupuncture, chiro, you know, go to the chiropractor, do whatever you have to do to keep your body in tip top shape, keep your mind in tip top shape because that's your vehicle for success. So, you know, that, that's something that a lot of the guys told me, um, how to take care of myself off the field, um, how to handle my business on the field. And just really being a good person is what's going to help you last in anything in life. And I learned those lessons from Curtis, uh, from from Ray Mickens, you know, from from Wayne Corbett, from Eric Barton, you know, all these guys who played such a big role in my success. You know, I, I definitely sought out those veteran leaders. Mm. So let me ask this: So growing up, at, you know, as a as a kid, and then through high school and stuff, who was your favorite football player? Oh man, that's easy. You know, I grew up, so I'm from Sacramento originally, and then I moved up to Washington State, and um, I was a Niners fan. You know, the 49ers were my favorite team. You know, they were from the Bay Area. Uh, they were winning Super Bowls at the time, and, and Jerry Rice was 
my favorite player. You know, what Jerry I mean? Rice. Jerry, man, he's. I mean, to me, he's the greatest of all time. You know, just a great work ethic. You know, a guy who wasn't highly touted. You know, just a hard worker that did his job. He showed up every day and outworked everybody. Um, Jerry Rice. I, I loved all those guys from that team, from that era. Ronnie Lott. You know, obviously knocking dudes out. Uh, That's awesome. from, the, from the safety position, Roger Craig at the running back. You know, the, the Niners were my team. But as I got older and as I got into the game when I was in college and coming up in the NFL, man, Brian Dawkins, Ooh. Weapon X. Oh, man. Oh, I man. used to watch his videos to get pumped up. Man. His YouTube videos. A, by far, that's my favorite player to watch. Animal. Man. He he was a he was an animal on the field, a complete dog on the field. And when you I met him in, in life as a union rep, I you know we we're both uh, union reps for our teams, and I met him at our union meetings. Man, the coolest, calmest guy you have ever met in your life. You know, you get on that field, oh, it's a whole nother a whole nother level right there. Wow. But Brian Dawkins is a guy. When I got older, I had a ton of respect for him and his game. That's, That's funny. That reminds us of um, so we actually went to uh, an event where we met John Starks, um, New York City, mm-hmm. and. Whenever you think about John Starks on the court, he was like, like fired up, just, yeah. just trash talker, just in your face animal. But then when we met him at the cigar event, cool as a cucumber, yeah. just calm, relaxed. And you're like, man, it's like two different. I feel like that's a lot of, like, I see that with a lot of athletes. You know, they, they have one personality on the field and then another, another personality off the field. Is that true or? Oh, yeah. You, you, you have to, you know what I mean? You have to, uh, you know, I can't go act a fool in the street like I did in the football field. And that was what was so uh, appealing about the game. You know, you get to go out in front of 70, 80,000 people and act a fool. You know what I mean? You get to let your hair down. You get to be you, show your personality, celebrate with your teammates, yell, scream. You know what I mean? And it, it was it was just a ton of fun. You know, and that's why it's hard. You know, from going to playing football, playing basketball in the NBA, whatever, the, you know, being an entertainer, being at the, being the best in the world at what you do and getting all this attention, it's tough to give that up. You know, so guys have a hard time transitioning. You know, you, you come out to regular life and now nobody cares what you do. You know what I mean? You're not getting that attention. So it's, it's really tough for a lot of people, but there's no better feeling in the world than going out there, uh, you know, making a big play and just kind of, 80,000 people are just following what you do. You know what yeah. I mean? They're cheering off the way you did. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful feeling. And I really did enjoy every single moment of playing in the NFL. That's awesome. Now. So, well, what we're going to do right now is we're actually – the Zoom, we only have about 45 minutes total before it cuts out. So it's probably going to cut out in a second. No, no. We're good. No? It's it's un- unlimited? Well, he's, we're only one guy. When we do Zooms with other people, that's where it gets oh, okay. crazy. Well, so, we got this uh, – What time What time do the kids home? That's what we should ask. Um, probably not till three thirty. Oh, okay. Because okay. we got yeah. apparently my uh, landscapers. landscapers decided to show up in the background in the backyard. We're we're in our, my pool house was our like converted studio, and now apparently we got the guys with the the leaf blower leaf blower here. <laughs> so we'll give them a you minute. Tune to in to the burn down. Yeah, they're you know, uh, they we're trying to see if they want a cigar. They're trying to blow out our cigar. So they're trying to blow out our cigar. I mean, I don't want them. So let me ask you this: Can you hear all that in the background? No. No. Okay. So. Let's talk about cigars since yeah. we got a little bit of yes, time left. Yes, yes, I was gonna. That was gonna be my segue. I was gonna say, hey, a listen, we're gonna transition. We're gonna transition. we're gonna pause it and then come back. But okay, so here's so yes, let's get into some cigar. Favorite word segue. Here, this is our segue. Yeah. Right? So, um, so you said your first cigar that you really enjoyed was um, Cubans. That's how you mm-hmm. got into Cubans, and then from that point on, it was just just Cubans um, for the most part. So, what would be 
some of your... Now, I'm not going to ask your... Unless you know your all-time favorite cigar. I've always asked that, and it's a very hard question to answer because yeah. there's so many good cigars, and it all depends on the mood and what you're in you know, what you're in the mood for. But what would be some of your favorite cigars, some of your top cigars on your list? My, some of my favorite cigars... Um, let's see. I actually like the My Father. Nice. Mm. My Father makes a, a great cigar. Um, my favorite, like, this daily smoke, Actually, it's going to take you a while to get through it because it's a long one. It's the uh, the Hoyo de Monterey Double Corona. Ooh. Oh, damn. Oh, wow. That's a, that's it's, a it's big amazing. stick right there. Yeah, it's long, man. It's, man, it has a lot of flavor. Um, I love those. Um, let me see. I mean, this this Monte Cristo Open Eagle is nice. Is this is the first Cristo. time having that one? No. You know what? I had it a few times. Um, I had it at the golf course. It was, my, it was my first time grabbing a box, but I'm really enjoying it. You know what I mean? Um I like the I like the Cohiba Siglo Six. Oh, that's, that's a great. A nice that's one. a classic. Yeah. That's a classic. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a classic. Um, you know, I, I, it does depend on the mood. It depends on who you're around, what company you keep. But you know, if I had to choose like a daily smoker, I'm gonna go with the Hoyo uh, Double Corona. Nice. So I don't, so I gotta say I have I I know the stick and I've never had I've never tried it. I've only had a few a uh, uh, few. Hoyo de Monterey's. I yeah, the Epicure many. number two, yep. we've had. It's yep. a great one. Yep, Epicure Special, we've had on the Burndown, yep. which is a great one. Um, so I'm, so I'm moving back to Long Island. I'm, I'm uh, moving to uh, Old Brookville. So when I get back to Long Island, Let's probably go. in the new year, we'll have to, we'll have to get together. And, and hey, man, those, those are my old stomping grounds. I went to LIU Post. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a beautiful area. So. Yeah. Very, very yeah. nice area. I've dri- we've driven through that a few times. It's 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 very uh, yeah. So once you come back to Long Island, we'll definitely have to you know get up together and, and have a cigar. I don't know if you know any cigar spots in that area that you like to go to. If not, yep. we'll find one. But um, and yeah, absolutely. I would love to, I'd love to try that stick out. We'll bring over some. Are you a big Opus X guy? Oh man, those are nice. We'll have that, to bring a, over. I got we got cool quite star. the collection of done, Opus. Done deal. Oh, done, done deal. deal. All right, we'll do that. We'll do that. Let's so, go to uh, Ohika Castle. Yeah, we act- I love that place. I actually went there mm-hmm. for... Um, Where is that? Uh, Ohika Castle is in... Uh, what is that? Co- uh, um, Oyster Bay? Is that Oyster Bay? Cold Spring Harbor? Yeah, like yeah, like right Cold Spring Harbor, Huntington. Area. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, we're in Huntington. Well, I'm like Melville, South Huntington area. Um, but we've been to Ohika Castle for um, for dinner one time. They have this little like little restaurant that's nice. Oh, it's delicious! Absolutely delicious. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm born and raised in Long Island, but I actually just moved almost a year a year ago. Now I'm in the Lower Westchester, so I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. far, but it's it's a little bit different than Long Island, which I like. But right outside the city, about 45 minutes away from here, so it's good. So now you got some new cigar buddies. We got a new cigar buddy. And speaking of that, do you have your like? Do you have your core guys you smoke cigar with? You know, cigars with or any memorable athletes or anyone that was special to you smoking a cigar with yeah man i I have um i do have my core group you know when, when i'm up in new york you know my buddy my buddy johnny he's one of my best friends in the world uh he's a state trooper you know one of my one of my closest guys i met him my rookie year um when i was in new york you know i got pulled over by him and then we ended up becoming real cool friends wow you know, that's, he's a, my that's a good story <laughs> yeah my buddy my buddy richie my buddy richie is a you know he's one of the he's the guy who put me on to the cuban cigars you know we usually get together on fridays you know fridays for lunch grab lunch together grab a stick you know have a have a beer or something and, and just kind of mellow out you know that's on awesome. a nice day so that's who i usually smoke with but you know being down here in florida 
you know, I came down here during the pandemic. We have a house down here and I thought I was going to be here for two weeks and it's ended up being like seven months. Yeah. And you know, I find a lot of times I, I smoke alone, you know what I mean? And I kind of, I'm one of those guys I'm comfortable in my own skin. I, I enjoy the quiet time with some music. You know, that's how I do it down here. Um, I completely agree. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's no, uh, we always say it, it's the cheapest form of therapy, man. Yes, I mean, it is. Pay twenty dollars right. opposed to one hundred fifty dollars for a therapy session, but that's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I'm, I uh, we've done that before too. Is it's you know we talk about what a cigar actually is and what it really means to us, and and like you said, you're comfortable just sitting by yourself, turn on some tunes, and and kind of like what Ray Lewis told you when you first got into cigars is this is how you relax and this is how you yeah. you know kind of disconnect from everything and bring your body back to neutral. And mm-hmm. the best way to do that is by yourself sitting, you know, last night lit up a fire, didn't even have music, just fire crackling, crickets chirping, nice glass of angels envy and a stick. And that's how you just kind of unwind and relax. That's how you do it, baby. That's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, especially living in New York, there's so much running around, so much chaos. It's nice to just calm down and just be in the moment. You know what I mean? That's I really I feel cigars. bad for the people who don't smoke cigars, who have stressful lives because- it, there's no i really can't think of any maybe maybe working out but you know when you have a stressful day when you're going through a lot at one point you know sometimes you just need to kick back and relax and there's nothing better than a cigar and just a nice little drink whatever you're drinking some music and just kicking back and relaxing now do you do you have like a preferable music genre when you listen or is you kind of just put it on random and let it go you know what i'm a big um Okay, so I like 80s, I like 80s, 90s R&B, you know what I mean? And my rap, you know, I love rap music. You know, I'm a West Coast guy. So, like, I'm saying, like, mid-90s up to 2000s. Those are my favorite eras. But, you know, there's some rappers I listen to now. But I like the 90s. I like the 90s music. It just just brings me back. You know, a lot of times, you know, music is something that it it takes you back to memories. Like, when you play a song, you're like, man, I I remember where I was when I heard this one. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, I had a lot of tough times, I had a tough childhood growing up, and music was kind of my getaway, music and sports. So I would turn on some music, relax, you know what I mean? I like listening to those jams and kind of think about where I've come from, where I'm going, my future goals. You know, that's that's my thing when I that's smoke. That's beautiful. And, and there's no, and again, you look, you take a, you have a cigar and you kind of just look back and you'd be like, man, I made it, I did this. And you kind of reflect on yourself and kind of just appreciate the time that you have now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I like how you said too is where it's you can look back, but you can also look forward too. So you can use that moment with yourself to reflect on what you've done and how far you've come, but also to visualize what you're going to achieve and where you're going Definitely. in the future. Now, who's who's uh, who's some of your fit? You know, because I always say uh, I grew up listening to rap and hip hop and R and B, and my parents brainwashed me when I was a child with the '60s, the '70s, the '80s. And now I print now the last five years, I listen to that more than rap, but um, yeah. 90s and 2000s rap and hip hop is my era. Like you said, I oh, listen man. to that mostly uh, like here and there. I listen to some Drake or something like that. But who are some of your favorite artists in rap? Um, well, you know, like growing up, you know, obviously I'm a big Pac fan, big Tupac fan, E-40, um, you know, probably some rappers you don't know, Sibo. You know, I was a big fan of them coming from Sacramento. But, you know, I'm also into Jay-Z, you know, anything Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. Uh, but, you know, recently, I'm trying to think what I've been listening to. Surprised you didn't say Too I Short. Been, I mean, Too Short's a big Oh, Too boy. Short. Yeah, yeah. Too Short is a legend. <laughs> too, too Short is a Bay Area legend, man. Um, but nowadays, let me see. Let me see. 
I just I just got the the Dom Kennedy. I like Dom. Um, Nipsey Hussle, rest in peace. Oh, you know, yeah. I still listen to a lot of Nipsey. You know, I got I into Nipsey, Nipsey probably 2010. Um, yeah, he was a guy I, I listened to early. On. East Coast, I like Benny the Butcher. He he got a new album out. That 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 He's one goes guy. pretty hard. But I like Nas. I like all the classics. You know what I mean? Nothing crazy. Yep, I'm glad you said Nas because Nas is my favorite. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. uh, if it's Nas, J. Cole. I don't know if you like J. Cole. You know, Notorious I love B. I. J. Cole. I, man, I saw J. Cole. Just to, I don't mean to cut you off, but yeah. I was playing in Atlanta back when like Friday Night Lights was out. You know, that was one of my favorite mixtapes. Oh yeah. And I used to love J. Cole before. You know, he was you know the, one of the biggest rappers in the game. Um, I was a huge fan of his, and I remember he performed at this venue in Atlanta. And one, of, I took one of my teammates. We went to it. I think the ticket was like twenty five dollars or something. Yeah. And there were like a thousand people in this venue, this small venue. Crazy. And J Cole rocked it, man. I remember singing every word, every song, and it was it was really cool. And it's and it's awesome to see how his career has taken <sighs> off, and you know, how he he's grown as an artist, how he's grown as a man. That's it, it was a pretty dope. Uh, it, was, Dude, it was a great time. You're killing me, man, because I. You, you love J. Cole. You, you're killing me because yeah. it is the same thing. My I well, I followed him since the warm-up. My buddy yeah, handed me his mixtape and he I'm like, who is this guy? He's like, dude, listen to him. He's really good. He's he's like he's like a Nas. He's very lyrical. He paints pictures, yada yada yada. I'm like, all right. And the same thing. We saw him in Brooklyn and it, it was like fifty bucks maybe, and it was first come, first serve for his concert. You know, we showed up, we got right in the front row. He was giving dap to everybody, and then um, this was when he had the, the Friday Night Lights, and he and miraculously in the small venue in Brooklyn, he brought out Drake out of out of everybody <laughs> to come out. He brought out Drake, and everyone was oh, going man. nuts. But my brothers and I, we say the same thing. It is so cool. Like I said, I feel like J Cole's like my son because I watched him grow up from a from nobody with mixtapes to now he's like one of the biggest hip hop artists ever in history, and it's just yeah. Cool. And he's a ba- and he's a basketball player too, yeah, right? At St. John's. And uh, it is very, very cool just to see the progression and all the accolades and achievements that he made because he's pretty—he's a pretty humble guy. Like you don't see him mm-hmm. doing too much on TV or anything like that. So when he was on mm-hmm. the NBA Finals, I was like, "Oh, J Cole is really, really getting into it now. He's he's yeah, yeah. music for the Finals, All Star, All Star Game, and everything." Yep. So I'm glad you said that because my brothers are gonna go nuts now and be like, "Hey, Jake, Eric Coleman is just a bigger J Cole fan as us because yeah. it's wild." So you're talking my language. But Justin wanted to ask you, uh, you know, a couple more questions. I think he had. He wanted to ask something. Yeah. So, um, so as you can see, we've we've done our research on you a little bit here, and uh, we we came to find out find out that you're a you're a bit of a philanthropist um, with a number of organizations and charities that you're a part of. I mean, just to name a few here, um, my brother's keeper mentorship program. Um, you also support causes for pediatric cancer, traumatic brain injury, sickle cell anemia, and also a charity, a celebrity ambassador for the Thrive Network, which is an organization that helps those with disabilities um, in need. So we've got a, a little bit of a list here Kudos. for um, for your for your philanthropy. So I wanted to ask you about you know some of those organizations that you're working with. You know how did those get started? You know how much have you guys been able to raise? You know if you have a number on that. I mean because mm-hmm. we're we we're always supportive. And um, always big into giving back, right? You have to give to receive, and it's always good to give back to the community. So we found those Absolutely, out. Absolutely, man. You know what? I I got big into to charity. You know, back in college. You know, when you know you you sit back and think about how blessed you are to to have your health, 
to have, you know, these opportunities that you're given. And, you know, why not give back to some kids? Why not give back to people who are less fortunate than you? And, you know, coming up through the NFL, you know, there's always opportunities to, to establish, to, you know, to help out charities. Tuesday's your day off. You know, I was, I was always a big believer in, you know, it's my day off from football, but it's time to work. And when it comes to charitable opportunities, you know, the My Brother's Keeper program, it kind of, that was one that, um, someone had reached out to me and, and asked me if I can mentor some young kids. And it was cool because, you know, I come from a rough back background, right? Um, you know, drugs in the house, you know, there's, you know, some troubled things that, that went on in my, in my life that, you know, I, I couldn't have been here. There's an opportunity where I could have been in jail right now, just like, you know, some of my other friends were. And for me to be able to come out of that, to be able to come out of a home where drug addiction was prevalent, uh, to be able to make it through college and to the NFL, you know, I feel blessed. You know, I feel blessed to be in that position. And so why not go out and pay it forward and, and help mentor some kids who are going through what I had went through? You know, and, and that, that's something that I took a lot of pride in. I take a lot of pride in um, is helping others. You know, another another organization that I recently uh, just joined the board of was uh, Children's Brain Tumor Foundation. You know, a, a lot of kids go through these these tough situations um, where they have a brain tumor. They don't know how to adapt back into life. And it's great to be able to mentor these kids, these adults, you know, whoever, whoever it may be, um, get through the struggles in their life and, and give them the opportunity to live a normal life. And so, you know, I, I always found that me being an NFL player, it, it's great to be involved in charity. You know what I mean? That you have a platform where people will listen to you. You know, I talked to a lot of kids about drug addiction. I work with the New York, um, New York uh, state on the drug addiction thing. You know, we, we, film some PSAs. They play before all the movies in Long Island. I see and it's cool. I'll get, I'll get calls. People will be like, man, I'm at, a, I'm at the movies and I just saw you on TV. <laughs> and, and it's cool to listen, to talk to these kids, tell them that drugs aren't cool. Uh, it's not something that you want to play with. It'll ruin your life and, you know, and help others find treatment solutions. You know what I mean? So it's cool to be in the position. I feel very blessed, you know, to be in the position where people will listen to me, where people will, you know, want to hear what I have to say about things. And, I, I, I want to help out as many organizations as I possibly can because, you know, I was blessed. I, I'm definitely blessed with the gift. God blessed me, and, and I want to make sure that I pass it along to others. It's beautiful, man. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, amen to that because, you know, like you said, with the, you know, children are, are I've read something where children, children are um, God's way of saying that we should continue to go on, right? When God blesses somebody with a child, um, it's his way of saying that, life should go on and, and the human race should should go on. And it's a very unfortunate that some kids are, they're just kids, five years old. You know, they haven't done anything wrong in their yeah. life so far. And it's unfortunate that they've come down with a disease, with a, a brain tumor, with with a number of other diseases. And it's like, you know, they didn't do anything wrong yet. They're, they're so young. Like, we, we got to do something to help them so that they can live a normal life. You know, it's very unfortunate to see that. So we uh, we praise you for all of your charitable causes that you're a part of and that's uh, that's awesome thank you and shout out to everybody who, who volunteers their time dedicate themselves to helping others a uh, big shout out to my buddy devar darling he has the as one foundation they help uh people with sickle cell uh you wow. know sickle cell anemia i have several nieces and nephews with sickle cell you know what i mean that's a, it's a tough it's a tough disease you know i've seen my, my nephew my nieces go through a lot of pain a lot of suffering uh, because of this disease and it's, it's great that there's people out there put, putting in that that work putting in that extra time to help others live a, a good life yeah absolutely i mean i you know i always say if you if you have a platform or if you're if you're big enough and, or, and you're fortunate enough to give back you know that's what i really think you should do that's why 
you know, guys like LeBron James, I mean, he, he has a laundry list of all the charities mm-hmm. and organizations and stuff that he's back because I just think that's something you should do when you're at a high stature. You don't even have to be a high stature if you just want to be a good person, but always yeah. giving back no matter what. Even if you're making PB&Js for the homeless yeah. or if you're donating yep. a dollar, you know, it's something that you're, you know, you're giving back and it's something that's just a, a humane thing to do. It you want to help. You want to be able to do right by other people who don't always have the same fortunes as you do. So it's exactly yeah, it's not always about donating money. You can dedicate your time. You know, what I, I mean? was you may not have a lot of money to dedicate. That. Go out there and volunteer some time. Yeah. You got I was some time on a Saturday to help say somebody. Yeah, I, I took mean, the I, words right out of my mouth. Religion <laughs> class. You know, I had I, I would go to the church and make PB and J's for people, and you know, I didn't have any money. I was a kid, but I, I just felt good just giving giving back to somebody that you know maybe couldn't afford a meal or mm-hmm. just anything. Because they always say yep. that, uh, you know, like you said, everybody says, oh, well, I don't have the money to, to donate. The most precious thing that you have is not money. It's time. The big, the, the most precious commodity that everybody has is time. So when you give your – because money, you can give money away and you can always make – you can always get it back. You can always make more and get money back. Yeah. But if you give away 10 minutes or an hour or two hours, you can't get back two hours. You can't get that time back. So that's the most precious commodity that we have as human beings is the time. 100%. Absolutely. So, we got about like ten minutes left. I don't know if you had something else to ask him. I got one more question. You um, got one more question before because I was going to go into the uh, into the cigar. Well, so, ask him. I'll ask him one more sports personal question, and you ask him another okay, cigar so question. But uh, Mr. Eric Coleman, three. Actually, hmm, which one do I want to ask? What would be more valuable? I just hit dash. Um, be careful to rookie move, man. Yeah, I don't want to. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know that I, I just dropped the ash on my uh, my crotch earlier. I was oh, sitting here. Oh, like, you did! Oh. <laughs> oh man! Oh, Eric Coleman with the rookie move. Hey man, Dang. we didn't see it. We didn't see it. You got. We, we see you from the chest up. So. You're but lo- the, but but honorable honorable gentleman right there, he yeah. said he, he admitted. admitted to it. No, I, I gotta admit, <laughs> he didn't hide it. All he right. admitted. Yeah. So, your three, if, you know, one, two, or three best moments in the NFL, whether it was a play, whether it was a learning moment, whether it was a mistake, and you learned from it. You know, what were some your favorite moments in the NFL? Um, man, that's a great question because I have, man, there's so many good memories and there's lessons that I learned, you know, I practice, there's lessons I learned off the field and there's lessons I learned during games. So if I had to say, okay, my first lesson, one of my biggest lessons was my first game ever in the NFL. Um, I, I've told this story before, but first game I'm starting, you know, we're playing the Cincinnati Bengals at the Meadowlands and you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a crazy atmosphere, Jet stadium. We have a very good team. You know, Herm Edwards is a coach. Uh, we, we come out to play doing the national anthem. We have the flyby with the Jets. I'm emotional. You know what I mean? I got tears coming down my eyes. I'm sitting there thinking about, you know, where I've come from, you know, where, where I'm standing right now and how blessed I am. And I was tearing up on the sideline. And we go out and play. And I'm nervous because I'm playing against these guys who I've been watching for years. You know, Chad Johnson, Carson Palmer, um, TJ Hushmanzada. Um, I want to say um, Peter Warwick. You know, all these guys who are just phenomenal players, I'm going out there to play against them. And I go out there, and going through the game, I'm holding my own. I made a couple of tackles here. I'm running around, and now I'm like, all right, I'm cool. I can play with these guys. And, you know, we're, we're playing well on offense. We're playing well on defense. Um, it's about four minutes left in the game. We're up two touchdowns, and we're about at the 50-yard line. And I'm covering Chad Johnson in the slot. 
playing cover four. Oh man, he runs he runs a vertical route on me, and I'm and I'm covering him. I'm backpedaling. Oh, I turn and break. I'm running with him. <laughs> I, I I peek back. The ball's in the air. I said, oh, this is mine. I'm running. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm going, I'm like, man, I'm going to go get this, get this interception, party, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so I'm running. The ball comes down. I'm right in position. All of a sudden, right in front of me, Chad Johnson dives in front of me, catches the ball, touchdown. Oh, and I'm man. like, wait, that's not how this is going to happen. <laughs> you know? And I felt terrible, man. I, I felt like I let my teammates down. I felt like I let the whole stadium down. And I just felt like, like going into a shell. And I remember they kicked the extra point. And I was like, I had my head down going to the sidelines. And right when I got to the si- sidelines, Sean Ellis grabbed me. You know, I don't know if you guys know how big Sean Ellis is, but he's about 6'5", 6'6", about 300 pounds. He grabbed me. He's like, hey, Rook. He said, pick your head up, man. We need you for the rest of this game. That's not going to be the last time you get beat for a touchdown. They get paid too. Pick your head up. Let's get this going. We're going to be back on the field in a little bit. So I'm like, okay feel a little better my coach is like e it's all good you know just you know my coach is coaching me up players are you know telling me it's going to be all right so we go out there um we're on defense again now there's two minutes left and we're up by seven and so it's third down they need a first down who are they going to go to are they going to go to to ray mickens who's on one side are they going to go to you know red tongue who's over here no i'm gonna go to this rookie who we just beat for a touchdown and see what kind of chops he has and so chad johnson again he runs a vertical route. He breaks it off to the corner. I, I, I did my little break. I break on it. I'm running. I'm going to hit the hip with him. I'm looking back. The ball's in the air. I said, oh, I can get this one. <laughs> I jumped in front of him, intercepted it, got up, and Let's my go. return was trash. I got tackled after like two yards. But <laughs> I got up and celebrated, and we won the game, and that sealed the game for us. And to tell you how good that felt to make a play, to, to help my team after getting beat for a touchdown, it was the best feeling in the world. You know what I mean? And I came over to the sidelines. Everybody was jumping on me. And at that point, I was like, man, I can really make an impact and play in this league. Uh, but, you know, it, it really that game showed me the highs and lows and the ebbs and flows of playing in the NFL and of life, really. You know, just make sure you stay the course. Don't get too down on yourself when things don't go your way because you're going to get another shot. And in that game, that was probably my best, the best feeling in the world. You know, my wow. first game, you know, sealed the game with the interception. Amazing feeling. Cloud you know nine. I mean? And then another lesson I learned that same year, we uh, we played Pittsburgh. So we played Pittsburgh at Heinz Field twice that year, once in the regular season and once in the playoffs. And I'm okay. So I'm, I'm back up. We're playing it in Pittsburgh. It was a third quarter because right at that time they had Roethlisberger was quarterback. Um, Deuce Staley, I believe, was a, was a running back, and Jerome Bettis. They used Ooh, to play Deuce Staley the, the whole first half, so they give you all Deuce. Second half, they bring out a fresh Jerome Bettis, and he's just like light feet. The guy's like 5'8", 260, oh, and he has all the moves. Yeah, man. light feet at 260. <laughs> oh, man, you couldn't believe it. So um, I remember I was playing cover two. I was about 30 yards deep, and I saw that it was a run. I start running up to come, you know, come to the line of scrimmage. Somebody has uh, Jerome in the backfield wrapped up. He spins out of the tackle. As he's doing the spin, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to light him up. So I, I took my shot. Boom. I went to go hit Jerome Bettis. Man. <laughs> I open my eyes. I'm on my back. And I look over. I look over the corner. Jerome is running up the sidelines for another 40 yards. Oh. And then he gets tackled. And I'm like, what happened? And then all of a sudden, I look on the big Jumbotron. The Jumbotron is lighting up. They have two ketchup bottles above the Jumbotron. So it's like these ketchup bottles light up. This big horn goes off. The bottles tilt up and ketchup 
pours onto the screen. Oh. And as it's pouring onto the screen, Jerome Bettis just ran through me. Boom. Oh. You ever seen, like, you know when you finish a track, that tape, the, yeah. track, the track line to finish the track tape? He ran through me just like that tape. Like I wasn't even there. They call him the bus for they a call, reason. I, oh, man, he ran right through me like and track I, I, tape. And then, so we played him again in the playoffs. And it was the same scenario. I had him in the open field. And that time I hit him so hard in his knees, he dropped like a tree. And he got up and he was mad at me. I said, listen, I'm young, but I ain't going to make the same mistake twice. <laughs> yeah. He's going to run me over twice. And so that was another lesson I learned. But you know, awesome. great times in the NFL, man. I had so much fun playing. I was blessed to make it as long as I did. Blessed to make it to the league, man, and I really enjoyed all those all those moments. That's awesome. Those are those are two good moments. Those are those great are awesome. stories, and I can relate to that because in high school I played wide out and I played strong safety, and we were scrimmaging Riverhead, and they had this big, big running back. He like he was short, but he was bulky and big, and I had the same moment. It was me and him one on one, and I was like, "All right, I'm about to, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go for his legs. I'm gonna go for his legs." And I go and boom, same situation. I get bulldozed, <laughs> but I managed to hold on. But my my bell was ringing, and he gained like four more yards. I eventually he got tripped up, but still, like he ran right through me. And I was like, oh my god, what was I thinking trying to, to do that? It does, man. It's like a wake up call because it's you know when you're because you're at a you're at a level and you make it to the to the league and you're like, all right, I can hang with you guys, these guys, and then you do what you have been doing for x amount of years but you have to realize that now you're in a position where it's like everybody is either as good or better than you so when you try to do the same move and you get rocked you're like oh shit okay i gotta i can't do i gotta change this up a little bit i gotta i gotta get a little bit better i gotta maybe i gotta go lower (laughs) i gotta wow but i mean those are two stories against against two guys that are legendary so you know it's not like you got you know, it's not like you got, Most. you know, mossed or something by some guy, some no name, or you got some linebacker, some running back that was not. A, those are two big names. So to to get yeah, like to to get what what do you call it? Uh, I guess iced by those two guys, and then to come back and now you ice them. It's that's pretty cool. That's a, those are great stories. Those are awesome. Yeah, no well, shame, no shame in that. I have no shame telling those right? stories. No, I mean we appreciate you sharing. <laughs> that. I love it. I love it. So we're coming to the end here of, of um, this episode. And what we're doing now is we're doing something called um, One Smoke, One Rating. So during the episode, Eric and I have been smoking a cigar. We've come to the point where just off the hip, rate it from 1 to 10. You can use you know 2.2, 6.7, whatever yeah. you want to do. Rate it 1 to 10 of the cigar that you're smoking. Just right off the hip. Whatever first number that comes to your mind. So you're smoking the Monte Cristo Open Eagle, is it? Yeah, Open Eagle. All right. Man, off the hip. I got to give this an eight. Eight. It's, it's been Solid. smooth. It's, uh, it's not overpowering. You know what I mean? I can't give you all the, the notes that I taste in it, but it's it's amazing. It's smooth. It's, it's nice. I really enjoyed this one. That's all we need. Like, we don't, we don't, yeah, we, like we said, we don't want, we don't care about the notes, this, that. We just want to know. If you liked it and the rating of it, then that's all it is because everyone can tell you the no- the notes and everything like that. So solid eight. Yeah, from high, Bristol. highly recommended. Highly recommended. Beautiful. Boom. All right, Eric, what do you got? Now we're smoking the Oliva Series O. Yeah, I believe it's a Robusto. So I mean, Eric, we got. It's one of the better cigars with coffee. So I'm going to be in the same ballpark as Mr. Eric Coleman. I'm going to be like an eight point two. Eight point two. Yeah. Okay. I like the cigar. So Eric's a lot. got an eight. Eric's got an eight point two for his. Mm-hmm. You know what? I enjoy it too. I really like the cigar or coffee. Yeah. It's a smooth smoke the whole way. It's got great flavors. I'm going eight zero. 
Eight zero. Eight's all around, baby. Eight's all around, baby. Perfect. I love it. So okay, uh, so I got a question for y'all. Oh, what would y'all rate the interview? The guest. Oh, oh, that's 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 got to be a ten. I, I mean, I got to, and that's I'm not. I'm not just saying it just because he's sitting <laughs> right here. I got to say it. Let's put it this way: it's been one of the longest interviews that we've had. This is the longest interview because we. This is honestly one. It is not the the one of this. It's the best because I we were clicking on a lot of cylinders. We had a lot of similarities with different moments and music and cigars and stuff like that. So I mean. I'll give it a 10 out of 10, too. I mean, I've been having the J. Cole thing kind of just put over the edge. I was oh, like, yeah. same kind of background, <laughs> same kind of similarity with the J. Cole thing. Uh, so that, that did it for me. But being the longest, being our first you know, sports athlete on the podcast, which we truly appreciate. So 10 out of 10. So what would oh, you man. what would you rate being on the burn down? Oh, man, it's easy 10. That yeah, was, this is go. one of the, the – I had the most fun on this podcast. You know, what, what podcast do you get to smoke a cigar, talk about life, talk about – Music, drinks, cigars. I mean, good times, baby. It, it, was, it was all in one, man. I appreciate you guys having me. Of course, and and, and that's all it is. That's all we want to do. That's our goal with this podcast. And, you know, if, if we were supposed to be, if we were sitting down together, it's the same type of conversation we'd be having over a cigar. And that's just the experience we want to bring. So, truly appreciate you uh, coming on and hanging out with us. It's been a hell of a ride, and it's been really fun. So, thank you. And um, this is the moment now where if you have any kind of uh charity going on if you got any promo that you want to do social media handles where people can find you just let it be known the red carpet's yours all right well you know follow me on on my social media i'm on instagram twitter um at eric coleman that's eric with a k uh, come check me out um shout out to the children's brain tumor foundation you know that's a something that's near and dear to my heart as one foundation go check them out um you know anything involving sickle cell you know just go out there and and uh and and give back go out there and give back and help those who are less fortunate than you we're going through some tough times right now and it's important that we all stay together you know what i mean everybody's trying to divide us right now got to stay together as a people absolutely and let's do it the right way amen america amen god bless america is right man God bless america most definitely so with that being said, everybody, thank you very much for watching this episode. Thank you very much, Eric Coleman, for joining us on The Burndown. If you like this video, hit that like button. Please hit the subscribe button and hit the bell to follow us and be notified for any new videos. Um, go follow Eric Coleman on Twitter and on Instagram at Eric Coleman with a K. Follow us, Burndown Podcast, Burndown Academy. That's it. You can follow Eric at Brother Cigar and myself at The Dapper Cigar. And with that, we're going to send it off with a cheers. God bless America, in the words of Eric Coleman. Cheers, Eric. Appreciate you coming on, man. Thank you. Cheers. Salud. This is nine-year NFL vet Eric Coleman. Make sure you tune in to the Burndown Podcast.